Hi there, Rod here. I'm just jumping in before I hand over to Tamsin to say that the recording for this week started a little bit late, so that means it kind of jumps into uh, the middle of what Tamsin is saying, but I think you should be able to uh, catch up and orient yourself pretty easily. So uh, over to Tamsin. In a very independent world where self-sufficiency is a dr- a sort of literally embedded into my bones of being a self-sufficient, non-needy human being, um, it is a, a, deceives myself when I think such things um, that I am indeed a much more needy, interdependent person who needs all sorts of people, needs all sorts of places, um, and need all sorts of support at all points of life, and sometimes I can offer that to others, but other, but I have to acknowledge that other times people offer that back to me, um, and that is a softening in myself. And then dismantling inhospitable systems and practices um, in various ways. Sometimes we do that in our profession. We dismantle a system. Sometimes we do that in whom we follow and become aware of in our social media lives, um, or sometimes it's our whole vocation is committed to dismantling an unjust system. Sometimes we just stumble on them. I worked um, for about five years at a community centre that worked with the lovely Work for the Dole program. I don't know if any of you have had the pleasure of being a part of that that program, but it's rough. It's the being on the dole um, or just receiving this very, very bare minimum life uh, income is really so low that it, you would struggle if you see people's finances of how you survive on $250 a week when you have $200 worth of rent. It just all doesn't make sense. And so then you're punished if you don't show up to work. Um, it, was, it, was, it was really, it was a complex system of do you just avoid the systems or do you enter them and try and change them from within? Is that participating in the evil? This is, I guess, the ethics that we're trying to tap with of being hospitable and working on evil systems, how close to those systems do we work? These are our ethical challenges. I still sit uncomfortably with my work in that, thinking back to what, how I worked connected to that, to that program. Welcome to my discomfort. Uh, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I don't know the right thing to do. But, um, yeah, dismantling in-hospital systems and practices. Um, we're going to read, because um, hospitality in times, just thinking hospitality in times of fatigue, it feels a little bit socially that we are still living kind of post-COVID fatigue a little bit, or you're currently your body is fatigued from the experience of COVID that happened only a few weeks ago. Um, but hospitality has traditionally been something that we ha- that we should do even our christian history of hospitality has got has has that heaviness that we we must be hospitable we must take people into our heart we must we must we must we must um, sometimes to the detriment of oneself sometimes if it's in churches there would have been a the the onslaught of women who must serve the food um, and and be hospitable in this small narrow way for others who don't you know there's sort of narrow forms of hospitality and just that the our, even our series title might be like, oh, no, you're going to try and make me have more people over to my house for dinner or something. Nothing, you know, like this kind of, the, I guess, the heaviness that comes with even the term hospitality. I just hold that in my mind. Um, 
as we come to the scripture today from Matthew eleven twenty five to 30. Um, and Matthew was speaking a lot to Jewish Christians. So these are people who've encountered a lot of burdensome rules around who they are in the world, how they do their faith, how they connect to God is covered in burdensome, complex dynamics. They're living in um, under persecution for being Christians as well um, and overtaxed, all sorts of burdens from all sides. Um, and so Jesus is speaking to this community and trying to flesh out a new and living image of God for the people that he's encountering that brings something of the true, resonant, holistic picture that God has hoped for. Um, would anyone like to read that for you, for me, for you? <laughs> You're like, what, what does it say before I read it? Any desperate readers today? If no desperation is seen. Oh, there's some desperation. Matthew 11. At the time Jesus said, I praise you, Abba God, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Abba, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by Abba. No one knows the Son except Abba God, and no one knows Abba God except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Um, this picture sort of kind of has that idea of making space for these listeners, that there is room kind of offering hospitality within Jesus, saying there is space here for you to flourish. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, There's space here for you to flourish in my presence Um, and that I don't carry with me a heavy burden for you, but in this space it is peaceful and it is not a heavy space. Um, I always think yolk, egg. I don't know why I always go to eggs when I think of yolks. Um, uh, oh, oh here, here is a yolk. Um, but this kind of interesting image, this is, this is what the hearers would be resonating with of an oxen who carries a yoke upon their back, this wooden piece of... Um, so kind of this burden is not heavy in an image that notoriously is heavy. This is what oxen do, is carry heavy things. And Jesus is saying, no, this is... This is not a heavy space and your job is not to just to just work in this way. Um, yeah, I, don't, I guess the image is so different for us. Um, why is he even referring to this sort of contraption in any way? But he's turning this kind of workhorse or this work oxen image on its head. Um, my yoke is not like this um, and the burden upon my back is very light. Um, I wonder if anyone has any thoughts on what the living embodiment of hospitality, um, if in perhaps in in God, in Christ, in any image of the divine that you've encountered, um, has it been a spacious encounter, um, or has it come with 
a burden attached to it of shoulds. Um, yeah, I guess that's a question open to the mic, but um, yeah, like what has your encounter with the divine, however you've worded it or however you've experienced it, you might have found it in a very uh, super spiritually kind of experience, um, an out-of-body experience. You might have found something of the true Christ in the person around you. Um, I guess one of the the fruit we're sort of saying perhaps is that the encounter of Christ hospitality is spacious and it is peaceful um, and it is not burdensome. Um, yeah, the challenge is some of the images of the Christian, the, sh- the proper Christian life that we, you know, but there is this spaciousness and burden-free living. Um, I've got mad to read a story today um, connected to, I'll read the author again, um, Cole, Cole Arthur Riley from This Here Flesh, um, just a story about making space um, person to person. My father was born smooth. He glides and sways when he walks, cuts his hands through the air in meaningful arcs when he talks, like he's in a ballet. I've never seen the top of his head because I've never seen him look down. He told me from a very young age, keep your head up, relax those shoulders, look at the skin shine. He told me that black was beautiful, It seemed to me that he was a man who would never think to apologise for his existence. Some people are born knowing their worth. I was an anxious and insecure child. I'd tiptoe around with my shoulders cupping my ears like a perpetual flinch. I believe my father saw this in me and did what he could to drown out whatever primordial voice had told me to fold up my personhood into something small and negligible. Every morning, he'd squeeze my sister and me in in between his legs as he methodically parted our hair and laid grease on our scalps. He'd spend what felt like hours propped up in this chair, leaving us with braids stretching in all directions, berets and ballies gripping the thick black curls. When he finished, He would lick both thumbs and press them against our shaggy eyebrows and say, You look good, honey. Do you feel good? This was our ritual, and in time it formed us. I um, like this sort of, this dad just making space for these children to be who they were um, and acknowledging that it was good um, in that way. this beautiful symbol of hospitality. Um, yeah, as I was sort of read on this, it just reminded me of um, having a particularly bad hair day today um, in the midst of my, my 8.30 text, a toddler who did not want pants today, um, porridge that was wiped upon that toddler's head just as I had to leave. Um, the joy of that morning, um, and I was just, thought, I'll just brush and go. Um, but I sort of recalled in light of this, this story of my mum, she would, she would say, oh, your hair is like a golden waterfall. Okay, perhaps it's um, not, not appearing to you today <laughs> as a golden waterfall. But it sort of struck me that that was 
something that she'd said often, often, often um, to feed uh, the affirmation of my hair. Just it was an affirmate, a small moment of affirmation just to acknowledge the hair that you have um, and that it is good. Um, very different story, but it sort of reminded me of that. Um, a question today that we'll leave um, before we uh, commune in the form of some beautiful scones today. Um, a question perhaps you want to um, sit with, even discuss with your, your neighbours on your table. Um, who has held you this way? Who has been an oasis where your goodness and your worth has been named? Who has made space for your weariness, for your whole self? Who has lifted burdens for you? I'll read that again because I feel like there's a lot in that. Who has held you this way? Been an oasis where your goodness, your worth has been named. Who has made space for your weariness, for your whole self? Who has lifted burdens for you? Let's just take a minute to maybe reflect on that for yourself. Um, take a few breaths um, and hold them, for, you know, in your in your in your hands mentally. Um, let's hold those people in your hands for a moment. I guess what may we take that today of um, the image of hospitality of a God who um, is hospitable for us, offers space uh, to flourish and not burdensome, um, an oasis where your goodness and worth has been named. Um, and may we sort of say a prayer of gratitude to those people when in, in people form we've received part of that divine image of someone who just saw something about you and said, that is good. Shane's not here today, so I can talk about him. But um, I found last week... He just said something to me that really acknowledged um, maybe uh, I was feeling particularly overwhelmed about something. And just something he'd said really affirmed that and just honoured my true self that I hadn't seen. And he just said it in passing words. Um, but I, I hold it as, oh, I really felt seen and something in my true self was celebrated by someone else. Um, and what a gift that was to me um, and I pray that in community that we come together and we have moments where we offer that to one another where I see something of your true self and um, I, I name it when I see it and I receive it the gift of you in that exchange um, because we'll have only glimpses church is not a perfect place of that but we'll see glimpses of that um, we um, are going to have communion today in the form of scones I know, and all forms of scones, if you, you are gluten-free and suddenly think, oh, what a shame, I can't partake in the scones. So we have a lovely a woman who um, cooks, runs her business out of our kitchen called Lauren, and Lauren has baked us scones today in the form of vegan, in the form of gluten-free, and in the form of luxurious butterful, um, <laughs> and with homemade jam, homemade lemon curd. Um, I don't know if it's homemade butter, but I can give her all that credit for some homemade butter, but perhaps it's just it's just in a container. Um, and we are going to 
share scones as our communion and as our passing the peace, recognising the divine image in one another and the gift that it is to just come together and pause in our week alongside each other. Um, so sh- should we go, go and stand around the scones? Is that a wonderful thing to do? Are these all the these are all the regular scones? Warwick has been our our. S- all right, bringing out the names in a second. Should we? Well, if you'd like, um, let's maybe gather around the table as a form of communion. Um, don't feel if you're not religious type that this is it's not conditional scones. If you don't even like scones, don't feel like you have to eat scones. Um, What an image of hospitality as well. I'll say a quick prayer um, of just of thanks for us all. Um, divine God, uh, loving parent, uh, spirit in our midst, uh, we thank you that you make space for us and that in the form of this table you invite us into that spacious place. Uh, we thank you for when we have been extended grace and when we have been recognised and witnessed by others um, and celebrated for our true selves. We thank you and we thank those people when they gave it to us. We pray that we can be that for others. We pray that it continues to come in our direction Um, and we pray that these scones nourish our, our bodies. Amen. Amen. Please either go in peace or feast in peace. Stay in feast. Um, Thank you.